السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم الله 
سيدنا محمد يصف هذا الفضيل الدرجة الرفيعة وضعف الله من المقام المحمد الذي نعته إنك لا تخلف الميعاد برحمتك يا رحم الرحيم إن الحمد لله إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا محمدا عبده ورسوله يقول الله جل وعلا في كتابه الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أعاذنا الله وإياكم منها أجمعين أما بعد Dear brothers and sisters as we stated in the khutbah last week, getting married is one of, if not the most important life decisions one will ever make. It will most likely have long-term effects on your life, your family, your future, and most importantly, your hereafter. In the Qur'an, Allah Ta'ala describes marriage as one of his signs, one of his ayat. وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا He says from his signs is that he created for you and from you spouses that you may find tranquility in them. Therefore, we must pay attention to the signs of Allah and not disregard them. We must observe the ayat of Allah, his signs, time and time again. And so we continue this conversation about the foundations of marriage for three types of people. For those who are not yet married and are not ready to get married just yet. Those who are not married but are looking to get married and those who are already married. By understanding the foundations of what makes a sound and healthy marriage, we orient ourselves as we seek to get married, and we orient ourselves as we seek to improve our marriages. So knowing the foundations of marriage is all about getting our minds right. And before we can even talk about marriage after the husband and the wife have gotten married, we have to talk about them separately before they get married. Because in the Arabic language, as we noted, the word for marriage, zawaj, literally means pairing, where a man and a woman come together as a pair. 
So before we can talk about the foundations of a good marriage and how to select a good husband or a good wife, we have to talk about the individual before the act of pairing in marriage. Now last week we were speaking about the reality of gender and particularly the role of the male, his proper form and development. And we said last week that it is from our fundamental beliefs as Muslims, from our aqidah, that gender is real and that gender is a binary as Allah tells us in the Quran, the male is not like the female. Among several other verses in the Quran that establish that there are male and female, two genders. So our conviction in that reality is not just based on the biological reality, but also based on wahi, on revelation from Allah Most High, that gender is real and that there are just males and females. So last week we spoke about the reality of these gender differences and spoke about the proper male form and development. And today, inshaAllah ta'ala, we speak about the role of the female and her proper form and development. And after this, we discuss how the two of them, the male and the female, come together as a united whole in the act of marriage. Allah tells us, the male is not like the female. So we affirm the gender binary and as Allah has made human beings. And we believe that males and females are equal in worth ontologically in that they have the same fundamental purpose in life to worship and know Allah, to follow the Messenger of Allah wasallam. Yet, they still have major differences. And as we said last week, gender applies on humans. It applies to humans on the biological level, on the psychological level, and on the spiritual level. These are the roots of our identity. And most of our problems in life stem from going against our nature, going against our fitrah, and forgetting what roots us as human beings. So my message to myself and to all of you, and particularly to the youth of the Ummah of the Prophet ﷺ, male and female, is that we need to understand the importance of having strong roots in our religion, our deen, and know our proper identities that Allah and His Messenger ﷺ have commanded us to know and practice so that we keep that relationship with Allah proper and keep our self of sense intact and safe from being misguided into confusion and falsehood. Now allow me to preface this discourse somewhat with the following. We have to understand, dear brothers and sisters, that if we go against our nature, our fitrah, we will end up doing things that pollute our soul. And there will be consequences for that in this life and in the next. And although there are consequences in the hereafter for people who fall into misguidance and who do not seek the forgiveness of Allah and turn back to truth, 
many people will face consequences even in this life. Because Allah Ta'ala from His Sunan, from His ways, is that He made this world in such a way that if you try to break your nature, your fitrah, and try to follow your ego too much, many times you will eventually see bad results in your life, in the here and now, and in your relationships. Even if society tells you that you're doing the right thing, even if society tries to reward you for going against your fitrah, these consequences often still happen. Now last week we spoke about the male, his proper form and function. And we said that the nature of the masculine is the establishment of order and the balanced pairing of authority and responsibility. That is the healthy expression of the masculine identity. Establishment of order and the balanced pairing of authority and responsibility. So what then is the proper function of the feminine? The male is not like the female. If masculinity is the active principle, if it is the outward and the expansive principle, then femininity is the passive principle. It is the inward and contracting principle. Now we see this complementary nature in the book of Allah, in the Qur'an. Not just between men and women, but between all of creation. And that is because Allah informs us in the Qur'an that He has created everything in pairs. That word again, pairs, zawj. In the beginning of Surah Al-Layl, for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Wallayli Ida Yagsha, Wannahari Ida Tajalla, Wama Khalaqa Dhakara Wal Untha, Inna Sayakum Lashatta. He says, Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, by the night as it covers, and by the day as it shines, and by his creation of the male and the female. Certainly the ways you take differ greatly. We see this pairing, not just between the male and the female, but between things in creation. When we go to Surah Al-Fajr, we see another interesting oath that Allah takes. He says, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Wal Fajr, Walayalin Ashr, Wal Shafi, Wal Watr. He says, By the dawn. And by the ten nights, and by the even and the odd, was shafi wal watr. The even and the odd. What does that mean? According to the scholars of exegesis, the mufassirun, they say that one of the meanings of was shafi wal watr, the even and the odd, is that Allah Taala, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, has created everything in this world in pairs the night and the day, the sky and the earth, the sun and the moon, the land and the sea, and the male and the female. And these pairs are even numbers. And the only real singular is the creator, 
Allah Al-Wahidu Al-Ahad Al-Fardu Samad The One, the Unique The Creator versus the Creation Creation comes in pairs Even numbered pairs Of opposite but complementary things So as Muslims we have to reflect on this Does the sky feel inferior to the earth or vice versa? Does the sea try to imitate the land or vice versa? Does the sun try to erase the differences between itself and the moon? The answer is no. But in the modern world, we have lost the meaning of this complementary pairing. In the modern world, we have lost the meaning of the word woman and man. Many women no longer know what it means to be a woman. And many men no longer know what it means to be a man. Many have lost their uniqueness. They have lost their nature. They have lost their fitrah as men and women. In their unrelenting quest for equality, which really means sameness, many have lost their true femininity and masculinity. But Allah Ta'ala reminds us, the male is not like the female. So the fundamental biological and Quranic reality has been lost to many. It has been ignored. It has been subverted. We as males and females are different in many fundamental ways. And that's not a bad thing. That's nothing to be ashamed about. That's not something we should try to hide or deny. It's natural. It's beautiful. The natural synergy between men and women is a beautiful reality. Men and women are obviously alike in several ways. But where they are different, it only serves to enhance the attraction and chemistry between them. The hard and the soft, the unyielding and the yielding, the protective and the protected, velvet and steel. The fundamental nature of the feminine, dear brothers and sisters, is to conserve, to be taken care of by a strong, dependable and loving man. The nature of the feminine is to nurture and be nurtured. It is to reflect Jamal, beauty, in the presence of Jalal, majesty. Dear brothers and sisters, these are fundamental realities. Just as there is a crisis with masculinity today, there is also a crisis with femininity. There are perversions and inversions, what we call in Arabic, qalbul haqaiq. And it's only by understanding our natures and our proper functions as men and women and embracing those natures without any shame that we can balance ourselves and seek union with others who are also balanced so we can marry with a proper understanding of what marriage is for maximizing our chances of success maximizing our chances of happiness and fulfillment and we ask Allah to give those to us and to bless our marriages and to give us a true understanding of our nature and to celebrate those differences and embrace those differences 
and express those differences that are rooted on our human nature in a way that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah bless our unions. And for those who are not married, may Allah instill them with this guidance and bring them to spouses who will fulfill that aspect in their married lives. Ameen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وبعد Dear brothers and sisters This is one of those days where the second khutbah is going to be longer than the first We are clearly living in an age of Allahu Akbar An age of inversion An age of قلب الحقائق where what is bad is presented as good, where what is good is presented as bad, where the ugly is presented as beautiful, where the beautiful is presented as ugly, where truth is presented as falsehood, and falsehood is presented as truth, where peace is war, and where war is peace, the inversion of realities. This is also an age of mutilation, where human norms have been subverted. Now one example of this is in the modern and postmodern movements that have mutilated the fitra, the sound human nature of people. Among these movements we have the first, the second, and the third wave feminist movements that have wreaked havoc on people's understandings of sound, fitri, gender roles. Furthermore, we face challenges in other domains. Economic shifts, such as inflation, have caused many young adults today to struggle making ends meet without years of additional schooling, causing them to delay marriage and family responsibilities and pleasures in the process. And even after those individuals graduate, many are conditioned to aim for standards of living that require both the man and the woman who are romantically involved to work two jobs and split the bills. And women in this day and age are largely conditioned by social programming to try and compete with men. In the modern world, women are taught to measure their worth by how close they are to a male model of success. They are taught that this is what will bring them true fulfillment, but they fail to realize that this is just a cynical ploy to increase the workforce and enrich those in power. You see, dear brothers and sisters, because we affirm the differences between males and females, on a biological level, we understand that men and women are different even in our hormonal cycles. Do you know that the modern work shift times are ideal for the male testosterone cycles? Many women experience burnout and inflammation from work operating on shift times that are designed for male testosterone cycles 
as opposed to female internal clocks and hormonal cycles. There are several studies establishing this biological difference and its effect on people working in shifts. So many women experience burnout from overcompensating for their higher agreeableness under comparable pressures to men. And instead of leaning into their feminine nature in a masculine work environment, many of them try to overcompensate. Now, I recognize that these may be bitter truths for some of you, but I remind you of the words transmitted to us by the great Sahabi Abu Dhar al-Ghifari radiallahu anhu, who said, أوصاني خليلي أن أقول الحق وإن كان مرة I was given counsel by my intimate friend, my close friend, the Prophet wasallam, to speak the truth, even if it is bitter. So there are some unpopular truths I wish to share with you. One of these unpopular truths is that many do not want to hear is that the feminine ideal rooted in the feminine fitra is that of softness, of conserving, nurturing, yielding, concealment, sitr, and jamal. These aspects of the feminine nature are best expressed in the inner world of the home. They are best expressed in the inner world of the home raising the future generation of the Ummah of the Prophet Yes, there are economic realities and there are often exceptions, but these realities and exceptions do not disprove the fitri norm. Yes, a woman is capable of getting a job, financially supporting herself, and fending for herself in the world with no husband to help her. Can she do this? Yes, absolutely. But will that lifestyle, day in and day out, bring her the most happiness and the fulfillment of her fitri nature and purpose? The answer is a resounding no. Because it is the fitri nature of the feminine to want to be taken care of to be protected by a strong, dependable, and loving man. Women do not like to feel alone, facing the world alone. This kind of quote-unquote independence and strength makes women feel miserable, even if they pretend otherwise. But many women are made to feel that they should aim for it, while internally they experience cognitive dissonance. Now I want to look at some programming, some of the social programming that has warped our proper fitri understanding and expression of gender. There's one Muslim woman, she said, and I quote, I'm not going to stand in front of Allah on the day of judgment. Sorry, she said, I'm going to stand before Allah completely alone on the day of judgment being fully accountable for my deeds. So you better believe I'm going to aim as high as I can, do as much as I can, and pursue whatever goals I can to make him pleased with me. All 100% without worrying about whether this is going to make me more 
or less desirable to men. We don't live for the pleasure of men. We live for the acceptance of God. Sounds nice, or does it? We have to unpack this and interrogate it. It is true, yes, that each person, man or woman, will stand alone before Allah on the Day of Judgment. But it is absolutely immature and childish to use that fact to push women to spend their entire lives alone and independent going against their feminine traits. We live in this dunya, this world, with our biological natures. And we are enmeshed in a host of natural relationships. And Islam teaches us the rules of these relationships. Just because a person will stand before Allah alone on the Day of Judgment does not mean that they must also be alone in this world. Just because you will stand alone before your Creator on the Day of Judgment doesn't mean living alone in this world should also be an ideal to strive for. You have to understand this programming and how it affects the minds of people. Also notice in the words of this sister, the educationalist and careerist traps that she inserts into the discourse. She starts off by saying, I'll stand before Allah alone in the hereafter. And then she makes this massive jump saying, I'm going to aim as high as I can and pursue whatever goals I can in this dunya of worldly goals. Is pursuing careerist goals alone going to please Allah before whom she will stand on the day of judgment? The answer is no. Is going to grad school forever and stacking up advanced degrees and then having a high-powered career the way you are going to please Allah when you stand alone before Him? No. But if she said, I'm going to memorize the entire Qur'an or I'm going to pray Qiyamul Layl every single night or other Akhirah-related goals, goals that extend to the hereafter, then we would say to this sister, marriage and family life do not interfere with any of those goals because they are oriented to the hereafter. And they do not prevent you from being married and building a family. The only aims and goals that marriage would interfere with would be long-term education and careerist goals. But how are those things going to serve you when you're standing before Allah alone? Is that the only way you can conceive of pleasing Allah? By having a long career? And I'm not saying that you can't have a career. And I'll give my disclaimers soon. But understand what I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters. And listen to the words of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إذا صامت المرأة خمسها إذا صلت المرأة خمسها وصامت شهرها وحفظت فرجها وأطاعت زوجها قيل لها أدخل الجنة الجنة من أي أبواب الجنة شئت. He says عليه الصلاة والسلام if a woman prays her five obligatory prayers and she fasts the month of Ramadan. And she guards her chastity and obeys her husband. It will be said to her on the day of judgment, 
Enter paradise from whatever door you like. Sadaqa Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As-sadiq al-ameen. Al-ladhi la yantiqu anil hawa. He spoke the truth. Women, they do not live for the pleasure of men. They live for the acceptance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is through expressing their feminine fitri nature and role, building a family and obeying their husbands and all that is halal and good, all that is ma'roof. Now this same Muslim woman, she went on to say, there were women in our history who fought in battles and were appointed to police the marketplaces and were businesswomen and teachers. Sounds nice. But as Sayyiduna Ali Karramallahu Wajhahu said to the Khawarij when they said in Al-Hukmu Illa Lillah, when they recited Quran, he said, Karimatu Haqqin Uridu Biha Batil. He said, A truthful word by which falsehood is intended. Meaning there's falsehood framed in that narrative. So, yes, there were many Muslim women in history who fought in battles who were appointed to police marketplaces and were businesswomen and teachers. But how many? What is the ratio? The overwhelming majority of the Sahabiyat, the female companions, and most of the women in history were housewives. That noble title, housewives. They were feminine women who stayed at home to hold down the fort, who were loving wives and nurturing mothers who raised generations of strong, upright Muslims. They were not housewives in the conventional sense that many people think of when they hear that word. They were not housewives in the sense that many people see it today. Someone who's just sitting around on the couch all day, consuming media, watching soap operas, lounging around, gossiping, wasting time. That's not what we mean by housewife. We mean someone with the noblest career path possible and one of the most difficult, and one of the most rewarding. The feminine role, dear brothers and sisters, is building and nurturing the children of the ummah of Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That is the noblest endeavor. So yes, there were some Muslim women who were warriors on the battlefield. But that was when the ummah was 2,000 people in total. And they were under mortal threat and there was no other choice. These are outliers and do not change what the majority is. Dear brothers and sisters, understand this very well. Social programming, the ideas that come into our minds, they undermine the fitrah. They undermine our natural human nature. Women are constantly being advised through social programming to have casual contempt for men and to put off marriage, family, motherhood in favor of quote-unquote high aims and lofty goals as if building the ummah of the Prophet sallallahu is not a lofty aim and a high goal. They extend the career and the educational ambitions and the definition of success that is touted among many people is that a woman needs to be highly educated then to get a full-time job in a certain prestigious field and carry on in this manner. But this is false. 
And that is a path that leads so many of our sisters into depression and despair. And that is because it's almost impossible to balance a big full-time career with the family and have the woman retain her sanity at the same time. So ultimately, this leads to a disregard for the traditional family structure. And women's mental health is a victim in the process. We have to ask ourselves this. Respond to this social programming with a question. Why is the potential of our sisters as women always tied to educational and careerist and financial success and independence? Why is that the measure of success for a woman? You see, if a man is a workaholic, he is going too far, even though directionally he's going in the right way, because that's his role. But he needs to taper it down a little bit. But directionally, he is going in the right way, because that's his role. But by a woman pursuing that at the expense of family, at the expense of marital happiness, at the expense of even getting married, she's going in the opposite direction to her human nature as a woman. Who truly benefits from degrading the noble role of the woman? It's not women. Why are they being put, why are they being pushed to cut themselves off from the most natural and meaningful things to women, loving relationships in the name of independence? Dear brothers and sisters, we have to understand that we're speaking about fitri ideals based on biological nature and affirmed by the Quran. Now allow me to give my disclaimer, because I know many people are thinking, well, what about this and what about that? You're thinking of all the exceptions. I have to give the disclaimer. And I acknowledge there are exceptions. We know that there are problems and anxieties. We know that there are circumstances where a woman has no choice but to fend for herself and go out and work in a male space. But I tell you, dear brothers and sisters, we acknowledge those realities and we say those realities do not negate the asl, the norm. There are grievances and unique trials that many sisters are struggling with. But the prescriptions for those problems are not found in the narrative that has them sacrifice what will bring them true happiness and fulfillment in their natural feminine role. The problems arise when we adopt anti-fitrah attitudes, attitudes that go against our nature, actions that go against the masculine and feminine nature, by adopting beliefs and cultural influences that work against our nature instead of supporting it. We have imbalanced reactions to poverty. We have careerism as an ideal. And young women, and if we're honest, in most cases, their parents, we have situations where they are forever delaying marriage for the sake of upward mobility and climbing the career ladder to impress others. That's the reality. And all of these things make it so much harder for people to create healthy families. Dear brothers and sisters, in conclusion, when we understand our proper gender roles and how we as males and females live our purpose, and express our human natures, 
And when we strive to embody those natures, we will put ourselves in the very best position to find a spouse that complements our nature, a spouse that helps us in the path of pleasing Allah and journeying to the hereafter. But if we go against our fitrah, our human nature, if we deny these biological and Quranic realities to social narratives that do not truly benefit us, then we only have ourselves to blame. With these foundations understood, a person will understand, they will have clarity, and will know what to look for in their potential spouses. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us that clarity, to allow us to reclaim our natural fitri roles, the roles that express the nature with which Allah created us as males and females. May He remove from us the illusions and delusions that cause us to make our lives more difficult and keep family a goal that is almost unachievable because of expectations. May Allah facilitate marriage for the young people within the ummah, within our communities. May we be able to balance things in a way that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ameen. ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد عبدك ورسولك النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا بقدر عظمة ذاتك في كل وقت وحين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين وقموا إلى صلاتكم يرحمكم الله